This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. <laughs> Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We have a real interesting topic for you today. A good friend of ours from Mile High Report, Joe Mahoney, is here. And we're here to talk about positional cap spending. And it's actually cash spending. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, that occurs on the offensive side of the football. That's correct? We're just talking about the offense today, Joe? Right. I, I, just, I discuss a little bit on the defense in terms of the overall defensive and offensive spend. But yeah, focus on Outstanding. the Outstanding. Joe... You've been on the show a number of times before, but uh, Joe works at Mile High Report. Give me your Twitter handle real quick. Uh, it's NDJOMO76. Notre Dame guy? Yep. Okay, very good. Always good to have you on, Joe. Uh, so, fascinating topic here, which is we have all sorts of franchise-building topics that are of interest to Ravens fans during the offseason. We just, last night, had the Rams win a Super Bowl with the what I'll call the George Allen uh, school of trade every draft pick you've got and and see if you can win now with it. Uh, it's it's a weird time for people who are traditional hard liquor and handgun, as I call myself, draft advocates uh, to, to really be able to point to the uh, the infallibility of the strategy the Ravens have used for most of their history. But I, I want you to take us through what you've done here uh, in terms of your methodology to look at positional spending and how that correlates to winning. Okay. So over the cap has data going back to 2013 and they have it broken down by cash spend by position by team. And so what I did is I pulled the data for every year, uh, 2013 to 2021. Uh, and then I did averages and I basically did ranks. So, um, in that analysis, for example, the Broncos, uh, came in with the 29th lowest uh, average offensive spend um, among in the league uh, for the time frame. Um, 
And, uh, you know, as a Broncos writer, I focused on the Broncos, but, you know, the only offensive position group where the Broncos were even in the top half in terms of the average spend um, was wide receiver, where they were 11th. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you look at teams like the Ravens, um, which you do, uh, they were actually dead last in uh, in average offensive line spend. Uh, Mm -hmm. So... Um, you know, and, and then I did, um, you know, a little bit of very uh, <clears throat> rudimentary, I would like to call it, because I'm not a statistician or an actuary, actuary uh, but uh, I, I looked at the correlation between win percentage uh, over this same time span and spend at, at various positions. And to see is, is there any correlation between, you know, if, you, if you're a team and you put your money in this position group, at least on offense, does that correlate to winning? Um, just, just the kind of stuff we love on this show uh, to have people who, one, do thorough analysis, which is looking at a whole lot of information. Another, do it over time. Um, but anyway, this is this is a good framework for really doing things well is is we, we, your your information should include all or ever. Uh, all or every, and it should uh, look back for as many years as possible. But let's talk about that Ravens thing, because the Ravens certainly have been a team that's tried to build around the offensive line, and they've succeeded, I would say, most of the time in finding real value in the draft there. Uh, How do you look at something like this where the Ravens have a pretty significant negative correlation? Is that what I'm looking at? Uh, That's the overall offensive line at minus 0.34, right? Yeah. So that's that's for the entire data set correlation. So Mm -hmm. for the whole league, um, the two numbers, you know, furthest away from zero, which is what you're looking for in this. So you want something, you know, that that zero is is nothing. Um, If you go to, you know anywhere around like a, a positive four or a negative four, that's a correlation that's going to start to mean something. If you're, you're talking about, you know, uh, actuarial science or statistics. Um, and you can see that the two largest numbers we've got here uh, are the, the biggest on the positive side is correlation to tight end spending. And the biggest on the negative side is correlation to offensive line spending, but that's, you know, a negative correlation. And I found that quite interesting uh, that the the Ravens, um, you know, being one of the lowest spends in offensive line or the lowest overall average spend in offensive line. Um, but if you look at it, it, it kind of makes sense because the two teams that actually are the lowest in average of line spend are the Ravens and the Patriots. And. Uh, if you think about uh, how both teams have chosen to address the offensive line, it's been draft and develop. Sure, um, you've so, got so the the, the, the Patriots have good drafting. Uh, yeah, the Patriots have, have had excellent draft value, particularly relative to round. Michael Oweno, the big one that got away from the Ravens a couple of years ago, uh, but they've had they've had plenty of other. Good draft picks, second, third round draft picks, some in the first even that have, that have been good. And it really is. You're, you're competing there between strategies, between spending on free agency and bringing them in and, and, and drafting them. And if you, if in, in a lot of cases, you could do one or the other, but you really can't do both because you need to address your entire team in terms of position. So that negative correlation is definitely, definitely telling me it makes more sense to draft your offensive linemen than it does to go out and buy them if you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, um, you know, and again, it stands to reason, right? You you think about offensive linemen, um, 
they tend to have fairly short uh, windows where they're dominant. Um, Andrew Whitworth being an exception, you know, uh, and uh, you know this is something that I studied actually a couple years ago where I looked at the age wall uh, for offensive tackles, right? And when do they really start to break down? Um, and uh, you know, Whitworth has kind of <laughs> been the uh, the exception to my study now, where he was playing at a fairly high level into his late thirties, but that was quite rare. You really look at that, and there's um really only one guy that I can think of in history that was playing as well as Whitworth has been playing recently uh, at about the same age. And that was Jackie Slater, Hall of Famer, Jackie Slater. So, sure. well, I, I, I respect that judgment, but what, what I would also say to that is it may be also a function of how quickly offensive linemen can be good in their early in their careers relative to other positions like quarterbacks, say where, you know, you're not getting a lot of that value, um, on on the draft specifically, and so by the time you a quarterback ends up being good, you're really paying for it. Yeah. Whereas a, a, you know an offensive tackle could be good his very first year, could be good his second year certainly. Yeah, well, and it's interesting too because uh, I've seen at least the Broncos have taken the strategy recently where they'll draft guys and they'll basically give them a redshirt year. Right, they won't even mm-hmm. play them as rookies, um, but they'll protect them so they won't, you know, put them on the practice squad where they can be poached. They'll keep them on the fifty-three man roster, but they basically won't play at all. Um, and it's essentially allowing these guys that they know have the skills, but maybe not have the the NFL ready body uh, that they need. So they did this with Matt Paratus. Uh, they did this to a certain extent with Connor McGovern. Um, they uh, they did this a little bit with uh, Natana Muti. Uh, so yeah, it's a, you know, and and I don't know if the Ravens have taken the same approach, if they've had to basically throw offensive linemen into the fire, like the Broncos had to do with Quinn Miners this year. But, um, yeah, you know, it's a, it it is kind of an interesting way or to see how different teams approach the development of their offensive linemen. I I think the thing for the Ravens has been, it's been a fair number of lower round draft picks that they've developed over time. Uh, When they've had a higher round pick, he's usually in there right away. Ben Grubbs comes to mind as a, as a first round guard. They took Uh, Michael Orr, of course, in there as as a first round tackle right away. That didn't work out, but, but he was in there right away. Um, And then you have other players uh, like Wagner and Jensen and players like that who were taken later and became stars later in their career with the Ravens. Wagner in his second year and, and uh, Jensen really in his third and fourth year with the Ravens uh, came into prominence. So uh, I, 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 I want to go back to the by position correlation coefficients here because this really interests me. So the offensive line is the second largest in terms of absolute value and it's negatively correlated at minus 0.34. Now, I, I don't. We don't want to go into the whole statistical description, but correlation coefficient is a number between negative one and one that tells you how related are things. The larger the absolute value of that number, the stronger the correlation. But a negative number indicates inverse correlation, which means that spending a lot, for example, on offensive line is actually non-optimal. It 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 uh, other teams that, that draft for the offensive line have done better at that. Uh, see, that's, I, we don't want to go into too deep into that. If you look it up online, if you're a mathematical guy and you really want to learn about it, it's it's, it's out there uh, to be had. So positive correlations will tell you, hey, it's good to go out and maybe get these guys in free agency or maybe keep your own guys a lot of times, a quarterback, for example, and spend on the positions. Do I have that correct as far as how I would analyze that? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And you know, if you if you look at the the two um, largest uh, numbers on the positive side, so the two strongest positive mm-hmm. correlations, um, we've got tight end, which we discussed a little bit, and uh, and that if you look at it, uh, it stands to reason because two the two teams with the highest winning uh, percentages during this time span are the Patriots and the Chiefs. And uh, both of them have had uh, significant money into their tight ends, Kelsey and Gronkowski, uh, during that time frame. Uh, and then the, the second highest correlation number on the offensive side, uh, on the positive side, is quarterback. And that's 0.28. And that also stands to reason, right? If you've got a guy that you have developed, uh, you're probably going to want to keep him around like the, mm-hmm. the, the Seahawks did with Russell Wilson, um, like the Packers did with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, like the Chiefs have now done with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, mm-hmm. And in general, um, uh, you, you also tend to win more often than not if you bring in a free agent quarterback and don't swing and miss completely. Right. So you may you, right. you look at a team like the Vikings that that, that spent on. Who I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so was that a swing and a miss? Eh, I don't know. I mean, they, they have won more than they have lost with Cousins. But, you know, it, 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 we can get deeper into the weeds if you want to talk about ROI, right? Are they, are they getting what they're paying for? Uh, and that's a, that's a very different discussion. Um, but in terms of the spend versus the winning, uh, you know, like you said, a, a 0.28 correlation, positive 0.28 is, is not terrible. And that's what we see with the quarterback over this whole time frame. Right. I, I, I would agree. What I would say about the tight end at 0.35 is this, that you're going to get um, a lot of influence from a few players at tight end. So I consider that that offensive line correlation at minus 0.34, even though it's in the opposite direction, to be much stronger because it's based on a larger set of players. So, you know, Gronkowski and Mark Andrews contract does not seem to have figured into the data you've got yet. Most of the Ravens money is actually on Nick Boyle. But the but the for the 2021 season, so we haven't really seen the impact of that. But we we would definitely um, he would be another player that would make up a disproportionate amount of the total spend dollars, and a lot of what was going on at tight end would be dependent then about what how the Ravens' record turned out. Yeah. So if the Ravens play well, you know, then then yeah, sure, it's it's a it's a great strategy to uh, to go out and buy tight ends or to or to pay for your tight end at least. If, yeah. if not, then uh, that is well, not. and it's it's interesting because I just um, I sorted it. I thought the Patriots were higher in terms of their or sorry, the uh, Chiefs were higher in terms of their tight end spend, but they're actually down here at eleven on the average. Um, hmm. So it's uh, well before you know, Kelsey, they probably weren't paying very much, right? Uh, or before his his rookie contract was up. Um, but you've got the Patriots and then the Chargers. So, uh, Alex Gonzalez, uh, with the chart, not, Alex, um, not, uh, the oh, other Tony. Yeah. Tony Gonzalez. Um, uh, so then you've got the Seahawks and that would have been, um, the guy who basically tried to get reclassified as a wide receiver, uh, for money purposes. Um, what's his name? Uh, Jimmy Graham, Jimmy Graham. Yep. Uh, and then you've got, interestingly enough, the team now called the Commanders, which I, I don't I don't know what their history with tight ends is. So I don't know who they would have been paying. Uh, but then the Colts. Uh, so, again, I don't know who they would have been paying during these nine years as far as tight end is concerned. But um, so it, it is interesting. But <laughs> then you get down to number seven and you get the Jaguars. And I'm like, oh, OK. 
Mercedes Lewis, who was around there for a long time. Um, one, one thing about this, and, and you'll notice a quarterback spend, I don't know where the Ravens come out in the quarterback numbers because I can't actually read the spreadsheet. It's too blurry as I'm going right here. But the, uh, the, the, the Ravens, I would imagine, are going to be pretty high on the quarterback spending list, even though they had all these cheap years from Lamar Jackson at the end of this period. 16th overall. 16th overall. So they're right in the middle, even though, you know, historically cheap offense since 2019, because they've still got this, these large cash spends on Flacco uh, during the period. And this is an important distinction, though. You did cash spend as opposed to cap. Right. And, the, and it's a little different. And all I'm going to say about this is there's no perfect metric. So anybody who comes to you with whether it's cash spend or cap or they want to do AAV of the contracts or whatever they might want to do, um, there's, there's no perfect thing. I mean, maybe percentage of cap would have been a way to do it, but or percentage of, of total cash available would have been a way to do it. But every cap metric you can possibly use is flawed in some way. And over time, cash spend should be just as good as anything else in terms of getting it because you're presumably getting the entire cost of these contracts over a period like nine years. But as it turns out, of course, you know, because there's been a, a large uptick in salaries over those nine years, it isn't perfect. But anyway, I, I, I really appreciate this is the kind of thing. Go in with some metric and let's talk about that. And then, you know, if 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 you feel like you want to do a you know, new article on this, you'll be happy to have you back when when uh, when you change the metric to be whatever else you think it ought to be. Okay. Yeah. And and like I said, this was this was I used what was available, right? This was the stuff that I could very quickly scrub from uh, over the caps website and uh, you know, put it into a spreadsheet and, and be able to, you know, do some analysis on it. So See, it's 53 and sunny there in uh, in Denver, right? You're in Denver? Or I'm I'm in Memphis actually. Memphis, uh, okay. I'm still jealous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm not complaining. Um, you know, we we had an ice storm and, and lost power for a, a, a couple of days, but uh, that's really the first time we've had a a real significant winter event that did anything uh, you know untoward to the the power lines here. Um, All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, very good. Uh, so, so we're uh, uh, in terms of other Ravens nuggets out of this. What would you point the fans to? Um, let's see. Uh, I think from a defensive spend standpoint, and again, I didn't focus on this because I didn't want to break down uh, their the positional spending on defense since over the cap split edge defenders out. I think two years ago. Mm-hmm. So prior to that, I don't know where they were putting various edge defenders, whether they were putting them in with the D line or with the linebackers. So I didn't want to go too in depth there because now you're saying you've only essentially got seven years of data instead of nine. Mm-hmm. But if you look at average defensive cash spend over this whole time frame, um, the Ravens were pretty high. They were ninth. Uh, Broncos were second. Surprising to me, the Bengals were actually the the highest average cash spend during this whole time frame. Um, I, I, what positional group? I'm sorry. This is defense, overall on defense, okay. uh, which, uh, again, su- surprised me a little bit, but I, I don't know, you know what they've done contract-wise in the past, so I don't know whether they're still paying guys you know, who, who were, <laughs> weren't on this Super Bowl team. Um, 
Geno Atkins comes to mind as mm-hmm. somebody who they would have paid for a long period in here. Uh, Carlos Dunlap, players like that. They, they've had spending on defense. Yeah, yeah, so definitely. Uh, and then, you know, again, it's it's one of those things where because you've everybody's got a, a cap constraint, uh, if you're high on the defensive side, you're probably going to be pretty low on the offensive side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, if I, if I sort the same table by the offensive spend, um, the Ravens come in at dead last. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, they're at their average offensive spend for this nine year time frame was 72 million. Uh, and the next closest team was the Dolphins at 73. Uh, and then you look at the, the high end of this. Um, sorry, 60. Nah, I was looking at the wrong column. The, the Ravens were at 60.8 million. And the next closest team was the Dolphins at 64 million. But then you wow. go go to the top of the of the the table and you look at the highest offensive spend team. The Falcons were at almost eighty three million. What's the median average. then? I think we're gonna it's gonna be seventy two million or something. What's the uh, median offensive spend? I will grab that average of sixteen and seventeen. Okay, you're gonna do mean. That's fine too. Yep. Oh, where? Dang it! I can't see it because it's <laughs> it's off. Um, uh, let's see. The median seventy three point four. Okay, seventy three point four. Very good. So it tells you the Ravens only been paying you know eighty five percent as much as as other teams in terms of their offense. Some of that's recent. You know they had, they certainly in two thousand nineteen they had that historic offense relative to cap and uh, historic offense period. But then relative to cap, unbelievably cheap. Uh, but but then they also had the Flacco years where they were paying something. They've not generally paid wide receivers. So in Baltimore, so that's definitely a place for savings. And it's also a, a draft philosophy on the offensive line certainly has, has played its role. If you would, Joe, please take us over to the to the positional groups there. And let's look at some of the other correlation coefficients, because I think there's some interesting stuff there as well. Sure. Um, so if you look at the the, the other negative numbers, uh, and I found this kind of interesting, um, the we, we talked a little bit about the, the offensive line. Uh, wide receiver spend uh, is the next highest negative value, and that's uh, 0.16, negative 0.16. Uh, so again, that, that kind of tells you that uh, teams that have brought in free agent wide receivers and spent a lot of money on either bringing in free agents or keeping the guys that they drafted and developed uh, generally have you know had less success than you would expect, um, or at least that, that would fit the curve or the, the yeah. trend line. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and you know, it's, it's a position that is very polarizing with regard to Ravens Twitter in particular. But I think every team's Twitter probably is you got to go out there and sign big wide receivers. And people, especially vocal people on Twitter, just love big name wide receivers. And they generally speaking, you know, they haven't been an outstanding success for the teams. They haven't correlated closely to winners. And if you look at some of the teams that have really underspent at the position, I think you have to look at Baltimore and New England as two of the real big ones. Uh, you know, they've been successful teams without doing it. Yeah. So uh, yeah. it's it's, uh, it's nice to see that. Well, and, and I, oh, I was going to say, you just think about the broadcast last night at the Super Bowl, right? You know, you, 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 they were, Chris Collins was harping for probably 20 minutes with the broadcast about how the Rams had nobody to throw to now because, yeah. <laughs> because OBJ is hurt and so is Tyler Higby. And I'm like, you've still got the guy who got MVP votes to throw the ball to. So don't mm-hmm. talk to me like you've got nobody <laughs> left to throw the ball to on offense. Yeah. No, that uh, lots of lots of lots of things to take from that Rams game. Now, one of the one of the funny things that's always come up in recent years 
is really beating on teams for signing running backs to a second contract. And I'm not saying that's worked out for those teams. I mean, obviously there've been some enormous busts at running back on second contracts. And, and I don't, I think it's generally not a well thought of strategy anymore, but the correlation over the entire period, not particularly strong, slight negative, but not particularly strong at 0.07. Yeah. So basically you, you can win with free agent, you know, spending money on free agent running backs or you can lose. (laughs) It's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not, uh, yeah, it's not going to push one way or the other. Um, I also found it interesting if you look at just the overall correlation between offensive spend uh, or yeah. defensive spend, um, very very slight negative on the offensive spend at you know point zero four, uh, and uh, again a, a slight positive on the defensive spend at point one two. But basically, you know, my takeaway from that is, um, yeah, you can win by bringing in free agents like the Rams did. Um, or you can win by drafting and developing players like uh, New England has done essentially for you know the past 20 years. Um, the, dif- the difference in those two numbers is fairly significant. I mean, it's, I, I wouldn't look at 0.12 or in the minus 0.04 on offense and uh, defense and offense respectively and say that either of them was a, was a tremendously strong correlation, but the difference between the two is more significant. And so I, I think this is saying that teams that spend on defense – um, uh, are are they might be getting vet, better value than teams that spend on offense, and I I can't really point to why that would be true. I can point to demand on Twitter for free agent wide receivers, but <laughs> hopefully that's not what what uh, NFL GMs are doing to spend on their uh, on their cap is listening to their Twitter followers to see how much they should pay their their free agent wide receiver. Yeah, and it might be that it's easier to project how a free agent defensive player is going to fit into your system than it is mm-hmm. a free agent offensive player. Um, but I don't know. That's that that's a that's something that that could be debated pretty hotly. When, you know, however you want to go with it, um, you know, whether bringing in Von Miller right as a free agent is you know are, is he going to be a better fit than spending the same amount of money on uh, let's say a premier wide receiver or a premier running back. Um, and you know, it was something that was debated fairly hotly in Broncos country for a while because the Broncos were essentially paying Von Miller quarterback money and mm-hmm. going cheap on the quarterback. So if you, if you look at the average quarterback spend, the Broncos came in, I think it like dead last or second to last, uh, over this mm-hmm. time frame, And that's because, uh, outside of the money we paid to Peyton and the money that we were paying to Flacco to not play essentially, um, the, uh, the Broncos were going cheap at quarterback. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's I, I'm, you either have the guy or you don't. And if yeah. you have the guy, you're going to end up really paying him at quarterback. So they, the, it's just really comes down to the Broncos. They never really found their guy. They, they had, they had Manning for the, the, the time they had him. Um, and you, you, you point out Flacco as well. I, I, the other thing I point out with this is this is also, it's not just where did they, um, you know, did they go out in free agency and spend a lot of money? It's a case of keeping their own guys a lot. So when you when you talk about projecting players into their own defense, a lot of times the guy was already in their own defense. They don't have right. to do a lot of projections. They just have to pay him. So T.J. Watt, Von Miller, Aaron Donald, those guys are getting the, the, the enormo contracts. They were projected well into their own defenses as as great players to start with. So, oh, yeah. I'd say yeah. And the Patrick Petersons of the world who people tend to forget about. But, you know, again, we're, we're going back nine years. So, you know, he was an elite uh, cornerback and, and may still be at some point, uh, you know, mm-hmm. 
we'll see. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it would be interesting to go in and look at the uh, the really big money um, defensive contracts that have been signed over these nine years and see where they've been and whether they've been as free agents or whether they've been teams re-signing uh, the guys that they developed. Okay. Well, Joe, absolutely fascinating topic. Very thought-provoking in terms of of where money is spent and how these correlations really work out for teams and and you know what that means really means in terms of of draft capital expenditures as well. Love to see more research from you on this topic if you ever have time to join us again. Tell folks where, you can, where they can find your work. So, um, Mile High Report uh, is is where I publish my stuff. Um, I'm a staff writer there. Uh, I'm also on Twitter, AndyJomo76. Um, and uh, so, I usually, in the off-season, will publish the more in-depth stuff. So, I've got a uh, pretty uh, in-depth O-line analysis that I'm going to be working on. It's going to focus heavily on the Broncos, but I, I tend to try and bring in comparative analysis to, from other teams. So I'll have some some numbers uh, looking at uh, performance of uh, uh, in terms of publicly available data <laughs> okay. because I can't, you know, Obviously, uh, I've I've gotten some uh, some nasty grams from the folks at PFF from publishing stuff that's behind paywalls. But I have now found some uh, some sites that have offensive line data uh, that's not behind a paywall. So SIS Data Hub uh, has some uh, pretty good information that uh, it, it at least is more in depth than what you can find at previously available uh, free data mm-hmm. as far as offensive line play. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, stop by the article, this article, uh, posted today, this morning. So, uh, feel free to drop a comment if you're on SB nation. Um, and, uh, you know, I've had some folks saying that this should be bumped up to the, the main page at SB nation because it's a, a topic of interest to pretty much every NFL team. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, Hey, maybe if we can get enough eyeballs and enough clicks, uh, they'll, they'll bump it up to the main page. We'll see. All right. Well, we'll hope for that. This is obviously a very interesting topic and I can't imagine there's any team that wouldn't want to really understand this i mean if if uh uh if you're not interested in this and you and you consider yourself a franchise builder i, I got no words for you <laughs> like basically at this point you gotta you, you got really gotta take in what you can to to really uh uh you know gain those insights I, I, joe really appreciate having you on other people out there let me just say uh if you'd like to do a short this off season we're doing a series called fixing the ravens right now uh, give me a narrow topic we can discuss in about 20 to 25 minutes. I'll get back to you very quickly, and we'll have you on very, very shortly. We'll have draft coverage and other things coming up, but I'm really looking for people to do that right now, fixing the Ravens. Joe, thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Ken. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, 
and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.